told y'all earlier that uh, Kevin had to call in this morning. Uh, he had to be talked into calling in, by the way. Um, he didn't um, at first want to give up this opportunity because there's no place he'd rather be than standing right here, especially right in the middle of Advent. Um, so I told him that I would do my very best to continue on with what he's been doing in our Advent season. So he didn't send me his notes, but he did send me um, the scripture reference and, and kind of the mindset or the topic um, that he had planned out for this morning. And I'm going to do my best to stick to what he's been doing because I know the effort and the work that he puts into doing things the way he does them. And I didn't want to come in here and just go out on a tangent about something else and then he'll try to continue what he's doing. So I want to try to do that this morning. Now y'all understand I got to call at 8 o'clock this morning. So if I sound a little unfamiliar with some things, it's because I am. I haven't had all week to prepare. I've done it. Um, after a big, huge thank you and shout out to Mr. Robert Reimer, I called him and let him take Sunday school this morning so that during Sunday school hour I could sit in the study and study um, to try to get prepared and be as familiar with the material as I could possibly be. So y'all bear with me this morning. I promise I'm, I'm going to not uh, butcher it, but at the same time, it probably won't be to the level of study that you're used to us having or preparedness that you're used to us having. Um, so we're continuing with our Advent celebration, which for those of you that are not familiar with or not been around, um, not something you typically see in a Baptist church. It's just a preparation to celebrate the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ is way too big for us to wait till the week of or the week before to start celebrating. So we spend time preparing to celebrate. In doing so, a part of that is scripture reading and candle lighting. So uh, I, I got that information from Kevin too because I said if, if he's promised somebody that they get to read the scripture this morning, and then I pick out somebody different. That person is going to be upset, and they're going to be not upset at Kevin. They're going to be upset at me. Then I found out who it was, and I told Amanda, I'm glad I did that. She would have left the church. Amen. Right. So, Carissa, can you go up here and read our, our, our scripture this morning? Right. She is going to be reading John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Well, now, whatever he told you, that was the question. What are you reading? Okay. That's fine. You can read where you want to read from, sweetheart. You read. Shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for you. Amen. Thank you so much. 
All right. So if y'all see me bouncing back and forth between my phone and my notes, it's because I have notes in multiple places. And I'm gathering information from everywhere. And again, I just didn't have enough time to study enough to get so familiar that I can stand up here and read more of it than what I'm used to. But I promise you, God is in control and it's going to be just fine. We're going to continue on this morning. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking about I am the door. Where Jesus proclaims, I am the door. Now I'm going to give you some context on the scriptures uh, here just shortly. Um, to kind of get you familiar with what we're talking about and what we're looking at here. Which to me is, is very crucial in understanding the scripture itself is knowing the context, knowing what's going on around it. Um, Stevie, would you open us with a word of prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the provision that being in your house today. Lord, we praise you and thank you for all that you've done for us throughout the week. We pray for those that are just fortunate, Lord, that don't have the ability to come today. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you will bless uh, those who have lost loved ones and those who are sick. Whatever needs they have, that you can meet all any and all needs. Praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we'll be coming from John chapter 10. We're going to start reading in verse 10. Uh, I mean, verse 1. And we'll go through verse 10. Um, we'll concentrate mostly from verse 7 to verse 10. But again, we're going to kind of do a little going back and forth here this morning. Uh, trying to get you some information and trying to get your uh, mind in the right place to understand what we're looking at. So, let's read the scripture and then we'll get started. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundant. You may be seated. Okay, so this is obviously Jesus' teaching. We're reading from the book of John. The book of John was written by the apostle John, uh, who was a Palestinian Jew. He's writing, his writing is focused to Jews and Gentiles. So a lot of his writings, as you read through John, you'll see kind of bounce back and forth. 
so that Jews would understand, and he makes references that Jews would get, but he also makes references that Gentiles would get and understand. So he kind of bounces back and forth. A common theme throughout the book of John, you'll notice, is references to God's people recognizing God himself. Whether it's his voice or his ways or his words, if you'll look throughout John, another thing you'll see common in the book of John is I am quotes from Jesus. I am the door. I am the good pastor. Right? I am. I am. Jesus makes these, John makes these references to Jesus saying, I am. So, here we are. He's talking about sheep. He's talking about a sheepfold. He starts out with, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Enters into the sheepfold by the door. So the first question is, what is a sheepfold? A sheepfold was a place that the shepherds kept their sheep during the night. Sometimes it would be in the village next to somebody's house, and it would be multiple herds of sheep in the same sheepfold. It would have a rock wall around it for protection. It was a place that the, the sheep were put to keep them safe from other wild animals, wolves. It was also a place to keep them safe from robbers and thieves. This sheepfold, if it was in a village or in a quote-unquote town, sometimes it would even have like a roof of thorns. And the only way in was through the door, which wasn't always actually a door, not even sometimes a gate, because sometimes these things were built as temporary structures out in the field. If the shepherd had his flock out in the field and couldn't get back home, of course he would stay with them, he would build a temporary sheepfold, stack up rocks, and it would just have an opening, not a gate, not a door, just an opening, and the shepherd would sleep in that doorway. And anything that came in would have to cross him in hopes that it would wake him and he could protect the sheep. Same thing for the ones in town. Somebody stood guard, the gatekeeper stood guard at the gate or at the door of the sheepfold to make sure nothing got in to get the sheep. Of course, the next morning, the shepherds would come by and they would call out their sheep and their sheep would follow them to pasture for the day. And if they were close enough, they would bring him back to the, bring the herd back to the sheepfold at night. And they would enter into this gate and they would stay in the sheepfold. So this was a means of protecting the sheep. Now when we're reading passages of scripture like this that are, um, as, as the Bible called it um, in verse 8, figure of speech or parable, we have to understand that there are characters in these parables or in these figure of speech that represent different people. What happens is, because we don't always get our context and we don't take time to separate things out, we get confused. And every time we see the word shepherd, we assume that's Jesus, right? Or every time we see the, the, uh, yeah, the reference to the sheep, we just assume that we know who all the keepers are. 
Well, in this parable, Jesus is not the shepherd. In verse 11, Jesus becomes the shepherd. But we're not in verse 11. In this story, in this parable, Jesus is not the shepherd. So as we read through this, you've got to commit your mind to understand who Jesus is in this parable. And who does Jesus say he is in this parable? The door. The door of the sheepfold. So you got to get that registered. And, and listen, don't let it confuse you. It's not meant for confusion. Is Jesus Does Jesus call himself the shepherd? Yeah. Can you refer to Jesus as the good shepherd? Absolutely. But not in this parable. And in order for you to understand exactly what's going on, you have to understand... What represents whom? So let's do that. Let's figure out who's who in this parable. So we're going to stay up in the parable part because immediately following the parable, starting in verse 7, is the explanation of the parable. But we're going to stay in the top for just a few more minutes in verses 1 through 6. So go with me to verse, uh, still in uh, verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So now we've got a second character. Now we've got the shepherd. We had, we had the sheepfold, which is the, the holding pen, the safety place. Now we've got the shepherd that comes up, and when the sheep hear their shepherd's voice, they follow. I want to give you an illustration of this. If you've been around a farm at all, and you've ever been around the farmer, the guy that's over everything, the guy that owns the place, you'll notice something when it gets time to get cows up. What does that sound like at your house, at your farm? Be early in the morning. It'll be early in the morning. And what does it sound like? How do you call your cows? You really want yeah, I do. So, so, so. There you go. What about at Ronnie's house? What does it sound like when you call the cows up, Ronnie? Ooh, ladies. See there? You see what I'm talking about? Listen, I didn't have cows, but I was always around a farmer by the name of Wayne B. And I and I this is how he always called his cows. Moan cows, moan. Moan cows, moan. And he stood out in the middle of the barn lot and hollered, moan cows, and they responded. And what I began to learn being around different farmers is it's not what you say. It's your voice that the cows recognize. So we bought goats. We didn't have cows. We had goats being Amanda's dad. And I went and bought some goats from a guy one time, and he was talking about that. He got ready to get his goats up, and he made this funky racket. And all the goats come running up there. And he caught and picked out the ones I wanted and sold them to me. And, and I made reference to his funny way of calling his goats. And he said, well, it doesn't matter what you say as long as you do the same thing every time. And if you're pouring food out to them and you're making a racket, their association is between the sound and eating. And they desire to eat. So when they hear that sound, they're going to come running. So I developed my own way of calling my goats. And I meant for it to be as crazy as it could be. 
And my wife's already about to get under the table. Because she knows what's coming. And I've done this in, in a, because I wanted people that were around to hear it and ask about it for this purpose right here. And I would go up to the barn and I'd get the food bucket and I'd rattle it a little bit and I'd go, and goats would come running from every corner of that, of that place to where I was at. And if it happened to be that people were, because it got to be a talk amongst our folks, and they would, and Amanda, people would be over, and Amanda would go, you ought to hear him call them goats. And I'd have to go out and call the goats. But what it done is it opened up an opportunity for me to have this conversation right here. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. It doesn't matter what he says. They recognize the voice of the shepherd. In this parable, the shepherd is God. You and I are the sheep, his people. And Jesus is the gate or the door. And the only way that the sheep get to the shepherd is through the door. If anybody comes in any other way, Besides through the door, according to scripture, he's a robber and a thief. And his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. The importance of you knowing God's word, God's voice. We're all looking for God to speak to us for some reason. And in reality, God has spoken. And he wrote it down. Now, I'm not telling you that God never speaks to anybody in any other way except this. I'm not saying that at all. But what I will tell you is God never speaks to somebody in any means contrary to what this says. In other words, if somebody stands up and says, I murdered them people because God told me to, you can go liar. That wasn't God you're listening to. How do I know that? Because it's contrary to what God says. Right? So you and I, as God's sheep, have to be able to recognize our shepherd's voice. Amen. So how are you ever going to get familiar with God's voice? That way, whenever somebody says something and they, they preface it with God said, you can go, yay or nay, based on what scripture says. That's even true when you listen to me preach. That's even true when we listen to Kevin preach. If it's contrary to God's word, it's a no-go. It doesn't matter who's speaking. That's not God's voice. And listen, the importance is, you got to imagine this, you got to get this picture. If, they, if these sheep were held in a common place, in other words, there were more sheep, more than one herd of sheep, in a particular sheepfold. In the morning, the shepherd would come to the gate, as we see in our story, as we see in our scripture, I mean. The shepherd would come to the gate and call out his sheep. And his sheep would come to him and they would follow him. 
You need to be so familiar with God's word that you recognize when God speaks. You know, these shepherds spent a lot of time with these sheep. They spent a ton, they had a bond and a relationship much like Bobby has with, with his calves, just like Ronnie has with his calves, just like Wayne B has, just like I had with my sheep. My sheep, my goats recognized my voice because I spent time with them. These shepherds spend time with these sheep. And these sheep are very familiar with their shepherd, not because they read it once a week, not because they sat down with it for five minutes. Right? It was a daily, all day affair. We should be so familiar with God's word that we recognize his voice. In other words, if I stand up here and preach and something has got my mind messed up and I get sidetracked and I get off into something that don't line up with scripture, it ought to click in your mind as it's coming out of my mouth. Now you may be like me, I'll recognize it, but now I'll have to go look it up to get the specifics. But I at least need to be able to recognize it. So when Joel Osteen says, everything's going to be okay if you just smile, I can go, that ain't scripture. Because, see, we're fixing to come to the part in this scripture right here where Jesus talks about abundant life, where this prosperity gospel is born from. And if you're not familiar with God's voice when people talk about that, it sounds so good, it's easy to latch on to. Because it's a promise of a wealth of things. And you know what we desire more than we desire anything else? Things. Stuff. So when somebody promises that to us, it's easy to lure us away. But listen, he didn't come in through the gate. He came over the wall. He ain't nothing but a thief. Purposefully? Maybe not. But either way it happens, and what stops it is, and what stops you and I from being misled by whatever teaching we're talking about is the fact that we can recognize God's voice. We can recognize God's word. We can discern the difference in truth and false. Not based on my opinions. Not based on how I feel that day. Not based on my environment for that day. Based on the solidity of God's word. A solid foundation. Now all of that was bonus message. Now we're going to get down to the message. Where I'm supposed to be. See, this is what I'm talking about. About trying to take something somebody else is doing. And as hard as I tried to study this and not go that direction, I did. So we're going to get to the door here. I mean, I titled it, I Am the Door. I've got to talk about the door. So let's go. All right. So verse 3. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Talking about the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and call his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own he goes before them, the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. Why won't they follow a stranger? What is it about the stranger that they recognize isn't right? His voice. His word. His word. What will keep you from being led astray by me or Kevin or whoever 
Is your familiarity with the or whatever that word? I tried that. I butchered it, but I was gonna keep going. I couldn't because it's funny. You're so familiar with God's word that when somebody tries to lead you astray, you look up and go, hang on. I don't recognize that voice. In other words, that don't sound right to me. But listen, if you're not familiar with the voice, if you're not familiar with the word, most people that are false teachers are not intentionally false teachers. you realize that? In other words, their goal isn't to mislead people. They really believe what you're teaching. They really believe what they're preaching. They think it's right. And they're so passionate about it. Do you realize people can be passionately wrong? Just me saying it all the time and screaming and hollering about it don't make it true. You can be passionately wrong. And most people that are false teachers that are misleading people don't realize it. They really believe they're doing what's right. So they're not going to be wearing a t-shirt that says, don't listen to me, I'll take you the wrong way. You're going to have to be familiar enough with the word of God to not be misled, to not be led astray. Keep going. I'm trying so hard to get to my actual message. Y'all keep going. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. All right, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus was trying to use this parable to teach, but they didn't understand. So if you read this, and it confuses you, or you couldn't get it by reading that part of it, you're a member of a great big group of people. Even the people that Jesus was talking to didn't understand it just by that part. But look, he explains it, and this is where I was telling you, you've got to get locked in your mind what character, what role Jesus feels, what role God feels, and what role you and I feel. Because it's easy to look at this and just and, and assume that Jesus is the shepherd. Because in verse 11, he claims that. I am the good shepherd. But that's not what he's talking about in this particular place. So let's go on and see what he's talking about. So Jesus again said to them, since they didn't understand, he tells it a different way. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He didn't say I am the shepherd in this part, did he? He said, I am the door of the sheep. And where does the door lead to? Two places. In or out. In or out. Either in the sheepfold, which is safety and protection, right? Or out to follow whom? The shepherd. And the shepherd represents who? God, our Heavenly Father. So the only path, I, this is again Jesus proclaiming there ain't but one way to heaven. In today's culture, it is taught regularly that there are many ways to get to heaven. That is not true. That is a false teaching. If anybody ever tells you there is a route other than Jesus Christ, it's false. There's even a, there's not a, multiple, but one particular one that is in my mind 
a monument built in the state of California. It's a great big, huge park. And the center, it's a lot of concrete and bricks and pretty stuff. And the center of it is a lot like this floor right here. It's a big old giant circle. And leading out from that circle are many paths. And the point of this part is to show people and demonstrate to people that all paths lead to the same place. That everybody's just on a different path and we're going all end up in the same heaven. It's not true. There's one path. And as a matter of fact, the Bible describes it as a narrow path. And few are going to find that gate. Few. There are not many paths. Christ has proclaimed once again, right here in the book of John, what does John 14 say? Right, John 14, 6 say, I am the way, the truth, the life, and the rest of that is no one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is either exactly who he says he is or he's a liar. One or the other. He's either the son of God. He's either the door of the sheepfold. He's either the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the father or he's a liar. He cannot be a good prophet and a good teacher and be a liar. But he said himself that he is the son of God. So he's either who he says he is, the son of God, and the only route to heaven, the only route to the Father, or he's a liar. I'm going with option number one. I believe he's exactly who he says he is. And I believe it's proven over and over and over throughout Scripture. I think even the Old Testament Scriptures pointed to the fact that he was on the way. There are not many. Jesus in this parable says, I am the door. The door into the safety. The door that allows me to follow my creator. The door. Not many doors. Listen, in the sheepfold, if you came in any way other than through the door, use a thief and a robber. We're going to cover that again too. He, he, remember, he's telling the same story. I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, all who have come before me, are thieves and robbers. Jesus is referenced to all the false teachers that's already come through, claiming to be something they're not. Anybody else that's ever told you that they are the Savior of this world, the Son of God, he's a thief and a robber. He's a liar. He's trying to look. We'll get to that part. <clears throat> but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, look at this, he will be saved and he will go in and out and he will find passion. Anyone who enters by me will be saved. In and out was a daily thing, right? In and out was what, what the sheep did. They went into safety. They went out to pasture. In the morning, they go out in the evening. It was daily. So the in and out refers to uh, whoever enters by Christ can freely go in and out, live their life. The pastors 
is knowing of God's provision. If you enter by Christ, in other words, you have nothing to worry about. Now, does that mean you'll have all the wealth and money and biggest houses and nicest cars and God you got no problems and no issues and never a struggle? No, not what he said. But you'll have just what you need. Does that mean we'll never have more than we need? No. Now, sometimes we have more than we need. There's a reason behind that too. We're going to talk about that in just a second as well. Keep going. Because I'm almost to start my sermon. Some of y'all thought that's funny. Some of you not so much. I get it. I understand. Look at here. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. But the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The shepherd comes to provide whatever you need for life. Not just this life, but eternal life. But the enemy comes, the thief comes, kill, steal, and destroy. When we had goats, we, we uh, you have to keep a close eye on them because stuff will get them. Sheep are worse than goats. Sheep, some people refer to as the dumbest animal on the planet. A sheep will put his head down and get in green grass and never look up. He'll just walk and eat. Whether it's a cliff or a bluff or a river, if you throw a sheep in water, they have no earthly idea how to do anything but sink to the bottom and die. They can't fight and struggle. They don't. When sheep get attacked as a herd, they just herd up and stand there. I mean, they just stand dead still. And whatever it is, wolf or person or whatever, just mows right through them and slaughters them. One right after the other. They don't even have enough sense to run from danger. They just huddle up in a group and stand there and bad. <laughs> and if you take one sheep from a herd and you focus him to walk off a cliff, it is a guaranteed fact. It is a true statement that they will follow and just walk off the cliff, one right behind the other, until something stops them. They have to be constantly watched over. They'll eat anything. They'll follow one another into horrible situations and their own death. They don't defend themselves, nor do they defend one another. They are the most helpless animal on the face of this earth. Without provision, without guarding, without a safe place, without somebody to constantly make sure and take care of them and keep them in the right place, they don't last long. We, as human beings, are a lot like sheep. We are easily led astray. We are easily distracted from where we 
should be focused, right? If the right scenario appears, we'll just stand in a group and let it happen. We may try to swim if you throw us in water, but that may be the defining thing between us and sheep. That's sad. Because we follow. If you don't believe that, look at the current state of our country. It's headed in an exact opposite direction from which on the principles that it was founded. It's, I mean, we're going in the, I mean, we are to the point that we have approved abortion, partial birth. If that's not murder, and that's exactly opposite of what it was founded on, right? And we're not, we're, I mean, we're not just allowing it. We have a group of people that are for it. Now think about that. We're not just allowing it to happen. We have people, a majority at sometimes in this country, of people that are for killing babies. I often refer to our population as sheeple. It's very important that you and I as Christians those that call ourselves Christians are so familiar with God's word that we recognize his voice. It's so important that you and I know and understand no matter how much they beg, no matter how much they plead, no matter how convincing they are, no matter how passionate they are, there's only one gate into the sheepfold. There's only one way, truth, and life. There's only one good shepherd. There's only one access to our creator. And his name is Jesus Christ. And there's no alternatives. And that doesn't vary because it's my family that I love so dearly that don't see it the way I do. That doesn't vary because it's people that I care about that don't see it the way. Listen, it's not me you're disagreeing with. And it's not me that you've got to agree with. It's God's word. It doesn't matter what I think about it or how I see it or how I feel. Here's the problem. I am full of emotions, just like you are. And if I base my system, if I base my morals, if I base my standard on my feelings, it's going to vary from day to day. But if I base it on God's word, it never varies. Not one time. It's always the same. Over and over and over and over. It's so important that you and I understand that we have a message. This Listen, we're fixing to talk about this right here. Look here. Abundant life. Let's get there. Verse 10. The thief comes only to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Christ came, that they may have life and have it abundant. Boy, that sounds promising. We may have life and have it abundantly. Again, this is the root, this is the base of the prosperity gospel, which is a false teaching. There is no promise of prosperity in the gospel when it comes to material things. Now, does that mean God doesn't bless some people with money and houses? And no, he does. He absolutely does. But abundant life 
isn't referring to solely material possessions. Abundant life happens when you figure out that you are a conduit and not a container. Abundant life happens when you figure out you are a conduit and not a container. Some of us think we're containers with a lid. God didn't give you grace so you can walk around full of grace. God didn't give you forgiveness so you can walk around full of forgiveness. Right? God didn't give you mercy, peace, love, joy, so you can walk around full of these things. You're not a container. God gave you these things so you can be a conduit of them. A conduit of love. A conduit of grace. A conduit of forgiveness. A conduit of mercy. A conduit of, of, of material blessings. It's not a sin to live as a rich man. But it may be to die as one. Got me? You scooping what I'm pooping? That's another way of saying, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I thought some of y'all fell asleep, so I'll throw something out there that gives you a kiss. Y'all ain't never heard that before, I tell you all the time, I don't have many original thoughts. That's why, because when I have one, you don't want to you are a conduit, not a container. You have to understand that God put us, listen, this message that Christ is the only way, it's our responsibility that that gets distributed. It's our responsibility that people know that. There is not many ways. Listen. We're about a couple weeks from celebrating the birth of God into this world in flesh, in the form of Jesus. As Christians, we should be hyper excited. It saddens me that Christmas is so industrialized, commercialized, that there's a, a whole whole bunch of people that despise this. I've heard more this year. Maybe COVID will cancel Christmas. But the part they won't cancel should be canceled. The part they won't cancel should be canceled. The celebration of Jesus is not the widespread representation of what Christmas is today. It's not. How much crap can we buy and give to one another? The excitement isn't always on the giving end anymore. It's on the receiving end, which is exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to be. The purpose of gift giving is not to receive. See, we always take these stories from the Bible. We put ourselves in the wrong role. In the Christmas story, the recipient of the gifts weren't the people. Right? The recipient was Christ. You're not Christ. So your focus this time of year should be giving all you can give, not receiving. 
But our focus, and it's easy to do, our focus gets on receiving. So the part of Christmas that they won't cancel probably should be. It's the commercial part of Christmas that they won't cancel. That's the part they don't like. The problem is they don't understand there is another side of this. And you know whose fault it is they don't understand that? It's mine. I'm supposed to be the conduit. What's happened is I've like everybody else become a container. They just take the things that God has given me and hang on to them for myself. You have to be a conduit. Christ is the door. And we're about to celebrate his birth. 